0: It's been years in the making, but solar energy has become practical, economical, and, of course, environmentally responsible. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, editor in chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Solar energy has been with us in one form or another for a long time, but was often relegated to niche applications, thought to be too expensive or considered by many to be new age pie in the sky. Now, though, solar has reached a point where it's being embraced by corporate America, which is currently procuring more clean energy than the utilities. We get a look at the state of solar from my guest today, Clark Wiedetz, chief sales officer with Green Structure. He tells us why solar has come of age, how its economics have shifted, why its popularity is no longer tied to the seesawing price of oil and natural gas, and how its further development will be impacted by the Biden administration's two-year suspension of new tariffs on solar panels from Southeast Asia. He'll also correct some misconceptions around the notion of solar only. Bottom line, the future of solar is bright. Here's my conversation with Clark Wiedetz. Mark Wiedetz, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Bob. Appreciate your time and uh, excited to be here.
0: How is solar looking right now as a viable source of energy in the U.S.?
1: Yes, yeah, solar is extremely important, as are other forms of distributed generation. It's needed in the energy transformation that's taking place around the world and especially here in the U.S. The support for clean energy and carbon reduction, it's being driven by corporate America. Some people may not think of it that way, but that's really what's happening right now here in the U.S. For the first time ever, corporate America is actually procuring more clean energy than the utilities. That's a real big benchmark of what's happening here. The Inflation Reduction Act certainly helps, and but the train has left the station. And what I mean by that is, Corporate America has made commitments. These are commitments for their sh- stakeholders, for their shareholders, for their employees, and for their customers. And these things are written down. They're on their website. They're targeted. There's a certain amount of carbon reduction or certain amount of renewable energy by 2025, by 2030, by 2050. This is driving renewable energy distributed generation and solar as we know it.
0: What, if anything, held solar back in all the years up to now?
1: Yeah, I I think getting comfortable with a new form of energy. If you want to have some fun, you can go way back into the 60s and say, well, what about natural gas and how did it get started? So you can kind of look at that if you want to be a historical buff. But solar is kind of the same way. And I'd say back around 2006, 2007, when some tax credits were finally available or different entities that started things really going at that point in time. And with any new source of energy, or really any new product, it had to go through its growing pains. Saw a number of companies and manufacturers, very large ones, come and go. Some had some subsidies behind them that that didn't work. Some did work. But what happens is, after time, the market plays itself out and we're left with some excellent suppliers both here in the US as well as globally. And that's now what we have in front of us, is excellent suppliers that are supplying the equipment, and more importantly, people within the US that are there for the engineering, the procurement, the construction, operations, and maintenance. Some people look at just the equipment side of a product, or in this case, let's look at the equipment side of of solar. But that really is only 25%, 30 35% of the total cost of what is actually going on with solar and distributed generation.
0: Where has the marketplace for solar been and where it is now? Is it a commercial, residential, government, or a combination of all of the above?
1: Yeah, it really is a combination of all of the above. I say it's evolved and continuing to evolve. Present tense, I think, is even a fair way to say it. There were a lot of utility-scale solar that helped drive the marketplace and helped bring enough to the suppliers so that they can have repeatability for themselves. And then the residential market has certainly picked up as well. And now I think you're seeing the commercial marketplace or basically from an equipment standpoint, those sizes in between residential and utility scale. And why is that happening? I'll go back to my original statement it's corporate America. Corporate America has decided within the last two to three years, I'll say it's really increased in the last two to three years, that they are going to be dedicated towards carbon reduction, sustainability, ESG targets. Think about the number of organizations that have hired chief sustainability officers just in the last two to three years. Those chief sustainability officers, they report to the CEOs, CFOs and chief strategy officers. Why is that? Because of the transformational nature of what energy is within a business. And what I mean by that is not just the cost of energy, but also the fact that it needs to be clean. And it needs to be clean because their employees want it, their customers want it, and their stakeholders, their shareholders also want it. So by those three factors combined, they are driving this for the presidents and CEOs to say, "We got to make this happen now."
0: Are we seeing advances in solar in industrial use in factories, manufacturing, and logistics as well?
1: Absolutely, they make the most sense. Again, I'll say from an economic perspective, so it, it almost becomes a no-brainer. But I'm I'm going to go back to my uh, emphasis on sustainability. Sustainability is really is now the main driver. We're seeing organizations that are looking at, okay, what does sustainability mean to me and my business? And they're valuing that. Um, Another element that's popping up, I'll say, recently is also resilience. And I'll kind of pivot you a little bit towards microgrids, because now you can combine solar with other forms of generation and other distributed generation assets in order to provide more than just a reduction of carbon, but also provide that reduction in cost and resilience, which is becoming more and more important because of all the things that are happening due to climate change.
0: What has been the impact of the U.S.-China trade war on the development of solar?
1: Well, admittedly, it was an issue. It was an issue there for a few months, and that that caused a a stoppage, actually. And in a lot of the work that was going on here in the US for a few months, and we'll probably see that in the year-end numbers because we're, we're going to lose a few months of construction. Those tariffs, the reason they affected us so much here is that 85% of the panels produced actually were foreign-made, and I'll say probably are foreign-made. Now, one can argue the point that, well, we need to have more made here in the US, and I, I won't get into you know, a point of view on that argument, but I'll, I will make the point that, remember, solar panels are about 25% of the revenue or of the cost of the entire system. That means 75% is being done by folks in the U.S. So when that halted, it affected 75% of every solar project. Those are people. Those are jobs. And I think what happened with the president is he probably looked at that data and made the maneuver that he made in order to get it back up and running. And I think that's what you see now. Now, i also give some credit with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act in that he added an element in there that gives you additional benefits for American-made product. So he, in essence, tried to make up for it a little bit by having that element as part of that act.
0: U.S.-China trade war, a hiccup, and now we're getting back on track with solar. Would you call that a fair characterization?
1: That's a very good way to say it, yes. It definitely was an issue for a few months, but it looks like we're on full recovery at this point. And now, with the addition of the Inflation Reduction Act, and I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but uh, that really has led us to the what we're seeing in front of us, which is a huge increase in the potential for more and more systems.
0: So what is a microgrid?
1: Sure. <laughs> Excellent question. So it is a combination of distributed generation assets to provide a number of different outputs for the for an organization. So it can be simply cost savings, but more importantly, it's used to reduce the carbon footprint of the organization and also to potentially provide resilience. Depending upon the capabilities of the microgrid, it can also help with bill optimization. It can also provide power quality increase. It can also help with the electrification of a building itself. That's the beauty of having a microgrid versus just solar in that the opportunity for additional benefits is prevalent because you have smart controls basically dispatching different distributed generation assets when it makes the most advantage for the end-use client or for the system.
0: So your use of solar can depend on numerous factors, time of year,
1: geography, cost, and the like? Yeah, you pretty much hit it right. Think about it from, okay, now you're a company, and you say, I want to reduce my carbon footprint. Okay, let's do that. So I have solar there to do it. I want to use my solar all the time. I want to use it as much as possible, and I will. And then I have a battery storage system that is there. My battery storage system can do a number of things. It can help me with cost, cost containment if for peak shaving or for demand response. And then you may have a generator there as well, which somebody might say, well, that's carbon. Yes, it is. But that generator is there for resilience. And resilience keeps everything going. On top of that, let's say the utility goes down for a while. You can use the battery immediately in solar and then go with your generator in order to keep your line running or to keep whatever it is that you're producing as an organization. This is all done with a smart control system. And doesn't that sound a lot more beneficial to any organization than just having solar?
0: Michael suggests small. Are microgrids user-specific or can they be shared among multiple users today?
1: That is an excellent question. I'd say today, they're user-specific. There's a lot of folks that are looking at potentially different applications and looking at what the evolution should be. But the most common applications today are behind the meter, that's what it would be called, and user-specific to that organization.
0: Can solar users sell their power back into the grid?
1: That takes you into a situation where you might want to look at an organization like Green Structure. I'll, I'll say that from our perspective, because you're going to need somebody that has the expertise to help figure out what is the best usage of the power that is being produced at the local location based on what it is you need as an organization. So number one, is it to keep running whatever I do or whatever I'm making or whatever the power is serving at that location, number one. Number two, do I want it to be clean? If the answer is yes, And that's the next part to do. Number three is, do I want to have the option of doing what you just asked me, which is contributing to the grid as well? And is there an economic benefit for a party or maybe for multiple parties in order to do that? So really, you're going to need an energy expert to help with an evaluation like that.
0: So are you saying that solar only is, as a concept, is impractical, not possible to achieve?
1: No, no, no. I, I don't want to go there. What I do want to say is that that with a microgrid, you have so many more advantages than just solar only. Nothing wrong with solar only. Matter of fact, that is what has grown up to this point in time. But now what you've got available because of smart technology to take it past that and have multiple distributed generation assets to provide you which is so much more than just sustainability services. You've got bill optimization, resilience, power quality, electrification, EV charging. You've got all of these things now that are part of our everyday life that we need. And you can do that by having advanced technology, which is just more than solar only or inclusive of solar only. Maybe that's the way to say it.
0: So has the development of solar achieved enough momentum so that it's no longer depends entirely on the price of oil going up or down as to whether it's going to progress?
1: I agree that the train has left the station. I go back to that comment. It's Right now, you've got organizations, private I mentioned private sector, but public sector as well, that is saying we need to have clean energy. We need to have it. Everybody, I'm willing to say everybody, I use that figuratively, but many, many stakeholders, shareholders, employees, customers, they want it, they're demanding it. They're demanding it to do business with them, and therefore, the organizations have to have it. And if you look at solar, it's the easiest technology, in essence, to deploy. You're putting it on roofs. You're using it as a carport for covered parking or to cover your EV chargers as we move into more and more electric vehicles. These logical applications are right in front of us, and they're being implemented now.
0: Are there more advances in technology in solar that are needed in order to make it fulfill its full promise, whether in storage or anything else of the sort?
1: I think you're going to see future advances in storage. That's that's just the evolution of what's going on um, with the battery storage industry and how it's evolving. Again, do we compare it directly to solar? I don't know. Tough call, but I'll say that it hasn't been as cost-competitive as it's starting to be now. So if we correlate that to when did solar become much more cost competitive, it was probably a decade ago. So maybe one could make that analogy. But does it need to happen? Does there need to be more improvements? I would say I don't know that there does need to be more improvements. It's here right now for us, and we are able to produce power that is competitive in most states, not all, But most states may be greater than 50%. And most importantly, it's driving down the carbon footprint and driving sustainability, which has value. Three years ago, that term has value was definitely very, very debatable. Now it's not debatable anymore. There are renewable energy certificates that are procured, that are uh, received because of these systems that are put in place. They have a value attached to them. That value is going to continue to increase. So on-site generation is here. It's here for right now. And organizations are starting to realize that, and they're doing something about it.
0: Well, it's very encouraging to hear. Clark Wiedetz of Green Structure. I want to thank you so much for bringing us up to date on the progress and promise of solar energy. Thanks very much for being with
1: me. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate your time.
0: That was my conversation with Clark Wiedetz of Green Structure, talking about the current and future state of solar energy. We're online at www.SupplyChainBrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel,